You are listening to the soft sounds of the Theonauts, episode 73. The one where I saw the Virgin Mary and my grilled cheese, it must be a sign. The Theonauts Podcast. <laughs> Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theolot casters. How's it going out there? I'm David Gaddy. <laughs> I'm Jeremiah Orb. And together we are the, the Theonauts. Theonauts. <laughs> Live and excited in the studio, right, Dave? Yes, we awesome. are. Awesome. And um, so we are planning the Haiti trip still. Yeah. It's getting closer, getting closer. I can't wait for that. Yeah, for y'all. I mean, not for me. I don't get to go this time. Yeah, and um, so hang on a second. (laughs) Who is that? I don't know. It's a visitor to the studio. It's a nice purse, David. Nice throw. Here you go. Thank you. We can restart this. That's okay. I can cut it out. Okay, cool. All right. Except for on the video. Oh, hey. Sorry. Yeah. Nobody's watching, anyways. Okay, what were we talking about? Uh, Haiti trip. Haiti trip, yes. Yes, I'm excited for you guys, although I don't get to go. Yeah, we're going to miss you, dude. Yeah, but it'll be fun. Big time. So, uh, so you going to Haiti, going to Logging Off, yep, going yep, yep. to tell people about Jesus and give out food. and Yep, shoes, dude. Shoes. We got shoes coming out of our ears. Awesome. Crazy. Wow. Crazy. And, and so um, we had, right before the show, we had several team members that are going on the trip. Come, yeah, come here to the uh, to the studio. Studio, and we prayed and uh, went around the room, and and it was pretty powerful. I thought I th- thought it was really good. Right, and uh, we're going to try and do that again probably next week too before yeah. we leave. It's always a good thing to pray. Oh man, it's great. It, it, um, you know, making sure that we're doing it for the right reasons. Right, making sure the right people are glorified. Yeah. nobody in the room. Yeah, <laughs> amen. Everybody. Above the room, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, we um, excited about it. We've got a couple of people going for the first time. Yeah, and I imagine I imagine you covet the viewers' prayers too. Definitely. Yes, please be praying for us, Our listeners, uh, viewers. Listeners. We'll, we'll we'll throw that onto the theonymous side. I guess that would yeah. be, be a good thing to put on there. But um, yeah, uh, that right now there's some civil unrest in uh, Port-au-Prince. Uh, hopefully it's about to die down though, because the elections are over. And whenever they whenever they have elections, it's a freak out. Really? Yeah. So, but that's just about done. That the elections were at the end of October. Uh. So, and I don't know what all that's about. That's about but, but anyway. Well, I imagine uh, there are a lot of Haitians that are very frustrated with their government. I mean, I saw the oh, slogans yeah. all over the walls when yeah. I was there. It, it's a huge deal. Right. Like it's it's it's. As big as it is here, <laughs> right? <laughs> Only the 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 actions escalate a little yeah. bit more. So that's crazy. But um, but anyway, yeah, we're we're excited to be going and everything. Awesome. Man. Um, we had uh, this weekend we had uh, Reformation Day. 
Yeah. Yeah, we did. Happy Reformation Day. Happy Reformation Day. Woo-hoo. I got my beard and everything. Yeah, me too. See, me too. we we were styling. That's right. I didn't I didn't nail anything to any doors. I was tempted. Although I was really tempted. <laughs> we were both tempted. No. <laughs> but it didn't happen. No, we didn't. Didn't happen. We reserved. But uh at the coffee shop we were handing out uh the whole downtown was handing out candy. Yeah. Had trick or treat downtown here, right? And that all went over really well. That's good. We had a good showing. Awesome. Uh, it was very, very exciting. Some good candy. So yeah. Did you get like a king size Snickers out of the deal? No, I didn't. I didn't actually do much of, of anything. But the 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 star attraction. Oh yeah, definitely. was my grandson. Yeah, who was dressed as Nacho Libre. Nacho. <laughs> That's so great. He's not even two years old yeah. yet. Dude, they need to do a Finding Christ in <laughs> Cinema on Nacho Libre. Hey, yes. <laughs> There's a lot of Christ themes in that. Yes, in that guys. That, put it on the list. Yeah, the list. The list. list, 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 list. Yeah, well, you need to do that because uh, we, we, we. Oh, and Napoleon Dynamite has to be like <laughs> right there behind it. Tina, you fat. <laughs> Go meet some ham or whatever. Go meet some ham. Yes. <laughs> go meet that Get off me, you fool, daggit. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad when we we can quote all these movies. Oh, man. Like, we should just make a podcast full of movie quotes. We could do that all day long. <laughs> well, did you, did you hear their uh, The Shining episode? No, I haven't listened to it. Oh, Was it good? So good. I mean, I, I love yours. Huge Shining fan, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I really like the, the movie, and uh, uh, Michael really likes it. Brendan wasn't quite as a big a fan, but <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. But uh, it, it was it was good. It was yeah. good. And it, you know, I kept thinking there's a lot of things to analyze in that film. I mean, a lot of things, lots of of symbols, lots of of stuff. People have gone crazy, tin foil hat type crazy about it. Oh, sure. Um, I mean, people were saying that that it proves that the moon landing was faked by Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> right. I mean, there's all stuff, all kinds of weird stuff. And, I mean, all of his movies are like that, though. Well, he was a he was a uh, like IQ two hundred like genius. Right. OCD about everything. Right. Which is one of the 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 fun things for me about watching his movies is I like to watch just the backgrounds. Of oh, what's yeah. going on because he was he was very meticulous about everything in the scene, like every book on every shelf, every knickknack, every everything, and he would line them up wow. and spend hours preparing the set. And what's funny is his movies are full of continuity errors, which doesn't make any sense. Right. How can someone who just pours over the All those set set details have yeah. these continuity errors? Well, it t- comes to find out they're all on purpose. Anytime there's a continuity error, he did that for a reason. Like subconsciously, he's trying to send a message. Wow! I mean, there's all kinds of weird stuff. I mean, there's there's scenes in The Shining where entire pieces of furniture disappear from the background. Like that's not accident, right? It's like, oh, someone moved the chair <laughs> against the wall. It's gone <laughs> completely. Wow! So, but anyway, uh, but the thing that I really liked about the about Finding Christ in Cinema's take on it is. That um, as much symbolism as I've examined in movies like that, it's really kind of hard to find Christian themes in it. It's I mean, there's just not a lot there. Right, yeah. And they did a 
an amazing job. Really, finding some teaching, some some things to to learn from it, and to apply. To, uh, mostly, it's kind of uh, like Michael hit the kind of downer side of it, you know, and, and compared a lot of what was going on to the evils that Jesus taught about, and right. Gehenna and all that. But anyway, yeah, you should listen to it. It's really, really good. Check and all you out. listeners out there, you know, tune in definitely and listen to what they have to say. It was it was an entertaining uh, episode. I've I've enjoyed them. So yeah. So okay. So. Um, do you have some news for us? Sure. Let's do that. And now, the news. Chinese government announced today that it will lift the 35-year-old ban of one child per family policy. <clears throat> yep, that's right. Now allowing two children per family. The historic policy reversal was made in hopes that it would counteract the effects of the country's aging population. 30% of the country is over 50, one-tenth over 65. Under the old policy, families were forced to pay fines if they had a second child. There were also accounts of forced abortions. As males were generally seen as more desirable, the country also has suffered from an extreme gender imbalance. Mm-hmm. So, All those poor little girls. Yeah, seriously. There's, you know, you know anytime you... You regulate as a government how many children you can have like that. You're going to have the backlash of abortions mm-hmm. and, and all that. And then, mm-hmm. and then obviously with the male preference thing, it's, it's a terrible thing. So, um, <clears throat> you know, this is just one step in the right direction, I think, for China. So, yay, China. Good job. Yay. Pretty. Uh, well, I've even heard stories of selling your daughter, you know, and stuff like that. Right. It's craziness. It is. It's totally nuts. But... You know, it's it's exciting to see that they maybe are making progress a little bit, even though they're doing it, I think, for the wrong reasons. They're not doing it because it's wrong. <laughs> they're doing it because, oh, we have an aging prop, pop, population problem. Yeah. You know, they want more kids. So No, we want population. Right. So, you know, it's crazy. But, all right, uh, more and more pastors... Uh, this is from Relevant Magazine. Mm-hmm. More and more pastors believe Christianity and Islam are sil- similar. Similar or dissimilar? Similar. Okay. Protestant pastors increasingly find common ground with Muslims. While the majority of pastors, no surprise here, consider Islam a dangerous, small, but increasing segment, believes Islam to be quote-unquote similar to Christianity, according to a survey published last week by Lifeway Research. According to the study, 17% of pastors characterize Islam to sim- uh, as similar to Christianity, nearly double the 9% from five years earlier. Fifty percent of Islam provoke, promotes charity. Fifty percent say Islam promotes Islam promotes charity. <laughs> I missed that part. Yeah, up from thirty five percent. Yeah, I did too. I didn't get that. Thirty two. That's not per- the message I get. Yeah. So for whatever reason, as an outsider, I mean, I'm not on the inside, but on the outside, I just don't get that message. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Thirty two percent describe Islam as spiritually good, up from nineteen percent. 24% describe Islam as tolerant, up from 16%. 22% describe Islam as open, up from 12%. The report also reveals a big disparity in the views of pastors and the general public. Lifeway cites <clears throat> a parallel survey of 1,000 Americans in which more than a third say the two faiths are similar, making twice as likely to see the similarities between Islam and Christianity. On the other side, negative opinions are also on the rise, though less dramatic, and also increasing majority thinks Islam is quote-unquote dangerous, quote-unquote promotes violence, and is quote-unquote spiritually evil. I don't know. Maybe the Koran 
actually says that stuff. But hey, I'm not one to judge. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, yeah, it's it's quite interesting. What do you think about that, David? More and more uh, uh, pastors, Protestant. Pastors I think it's are, political. Oh, it is purely. It's 100 percent political. But there's nothing. There's nothing in. I mean. You just study the religion. Yes, there are moderates, but they're moderate in that they don't do what their scriptures teach them to do. Exactly. And and so, I mean, to say that the religion, the religion was founded on violence. Yeah. I mean, Muhammad was all about violence. Right. I mean, that's what his whole stick was. Right. I always go back to the founders. I always look at the founders whenever I'm looking at a religion and see what they stood for. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, you know, Muhammad was definitely like, a jacked up person, right? Well, if you read his encounters with, you know, marrying the <clears throat> what was it, a five year old girl or whatever, some oh, yeah, yeah. child, all that stuff, and well, and and well, it's it's just they're there's there's no their their god that they worship that they claim is the same god that Christians worship is seen completely different. He's not a god of love. He's never portrayed as a god of love. Right. He's a god of vengeance and intolerance. And I mean, it's just, it's different completely. Yeah. It's a different take. So, so there might be some tolerant, loving Muslims. And I'm not saying that there's not, you know, the, the, some people <laughs> that, are, that are involved, but to say that the religion itself is loving and tolerant is. Completely against. I mean, Sharia law is part of their religion. Right, right. <laughs> it's not. It's it's not tolerant at all. <laughs> wow. So okay. uh, one more uh, one more newsworthy item for you. Uh, Lifeway did another research uh, panel on marriage and divorce in the church. Yes. Um, discussed why. Uh, um, really, they they focused on the question: Does your church? Uh, help you in in marriage struggles mm-hmm. do you do you come out uh to your church and ask for help with your marriage problems uh because it seemed like it looked like uh people who were married and engaged in the church you know it seemed like they were happy and healthy and then all of a sudden people get divorced right mm-hmm. and there's no like whoa i thought they were happy and healthy what happened um, and so they they did a, they took a poll and they they looked over something. Uh, uh, those are among the findings. Of, this is from uh, Christianity Today. Findings of new research by Nashville-based Lifeway Research. The study, sponsored by Focus on the Family, surveyed Protestant pastors, church-going Americans, and healthy marriages, and church-going <clears throat> Americans who divorced divorced in the past five years. The research points to a problem with the church culture, said Scott McConnell, vice president of Lifeway Research. If couples are unwilling to discuss marital struggles at church, they don't get the help they need. Many couples are also may not also realize the help that's available. Why most pastors say that their church offer churches offer counseling referrals and other marriage aids, few churchgoers agree. Um, either pastors are overstating what they are doing or not everybody is noticing what their church is doing. McConnell mm-hmm. said there's clearly gaps in communication when people don't even know help exists. So when asked basically um, views on whether or not the church is a safe place to talk about marital, marital difficulties among Protestant pastors, 94% uh, agreed that uh, church was a safe place to talk about marital <clears throat> diff- uh, difficulties. 
One percent said not sure. Five percent said disagree. Among happily married churchgoers, seventy nine percent agreed that church was a safe place to talk about mar- marital difficulties. Where ten disagreed, eleven percent were not sure. And then among churchgoers who divorced, seventy seven percent said that they agreed that hmm. church was a safe place to talk. So you see this vast yeah. uh, church was a safe place to talk about marital difficulties. It's like it's like sin. Yeah. It's like I mean it's like you we 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 have a this and this is not everybody obviously but right. generally we do a good job speaking about how you know everybody sins and et cetera et cetera and no one's free of guilt but then when it comes to actually allowing people to confess openly without the condemnation and without uh uh, it's the same type of thing, right? I mean, people are are struggling with their marriages, but they're afraid because of the sure of, of what's go- how they're going to be seen. Well, and you know, and the the numbers prove this. Uh, who do couples seek out for help with marital problems among churchgoers who divorced? This this question was asked mm-hmm. among churchgoers who divorced. Forty eight percent said their lead pastor. So it's under half, 48%. Mm-hmm. 31% said no one at church. Wow. So if you half. are... Yeah, half, almost half. Almost half. If you are uh, a churchgoer or you know a faithful follower of Christ in a church mm-hmm. and you are struggling in your marriage, the chances are very close to you not going to anybody at church because you don't want to Flip reveal a coin. this problem. If they're right. going to talk to the pastor, exactly. I'm not going to talk to anybody. Right. Um, 13% said other church staff members, 11% said a member of the small group, uh, 8% said lay leader at church, 7% said small group, 6% said other. Um, you know, it's just sad. So the reality is, is a lot of people don't, they just don't. Some of the, some of the breakdown that we're, that we're seeing and our, in our structure, in our system. And I think it, you know, the result is we don't want to share that we have problems. Nobody in the church wants right. to share that they have Well, because problems. we gossip about it. Yeah. And and we and we we're we're the reason. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, you can't just blame your pastor, or your elders or your deacons or whatever. I mean, this is the community that does this. Right. The body actually that spreads the rumors and and here's the thing that pastors, I think pastors are turning a blind eye to. This is really interesting, um, these questions. What marriage support services does your church offer, was the was the question. Sermons? Uh, so, the, and then it listed different types of support. Mm-hmm. Marital counseling provided by the church. 87% of pastors said that they provided that. While 62% of happily married churchgoers said that they provided that, and 45% of churchgoers who divorced said that they provided that. So the pastor thinks, 87% of pastors think, yeah, we provide marital counseling, whereas 45%, less than half of divorced people think, well, my pastor would provide marital counseling. Mm Mm-hmm. Crazy, okay. Uh, marriage resources available, i.e., books, videos. Seventy-seven percent of pastors said, "Yeah, we have marital books available, stuff like that." Thirty-eight percent of happily married churchgoers said, "Yeah, our church provides that." Twenty-one percent of divorced couples said that, "No, you know, our church provides that." So, 
Only 21% of church, you know, divorced couples believe that. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> referrals to professional counseling, 71 and 75% pastors said, yeah, we do that. Whereas 23% of uh, churchgoers who divorced said that they actually used it. Used it. Right. Um, 68% said that sermons several times a year um, that specify, spec, uh, specifically address marriage, 68% of pastors say they give sermons, whereas 17% of churchgoers who divorce say, yeah, my pastor actually gave sermons Yeah, about that. <laughs> Seminars or cert-torm classes on marriage topics, 51% of pastors would say, yeah, we've done that, mm-hmm. uh, 16%. <laughs> so there's some sort of breakdown here in a communication. Oh, yeah. It's a huge... <laughs> Breakdown between yeah pastors and and their you know and their sheep and so pastors keep a keep a watch on that man what what are you doing for your married couples right right it needs to happen so anyways uh, today in church history yes <laughs> uh, let's see lowered over a wall Calvin fled Paris mm. November what where are we November second second that's right November second in fifteen. 15- 33, John Calvin made a similar thrilling escape from Paris uh, as Paul did when he escaped Damascus. A devout Catholic, Calvin studied law at the universities of Orleans and Paris. He was a brilliant student, and with the Protestant Reformation in the air, he began reading Martin Luther and became a leader in the Reformation in France at the risk of arrest, imprisonment, and even death. After he escaped, in 1533, the newly elected head of Paris University, Nicholas Kopp, apparently asked Calvin to collaborate on the inauguration address. Uh, so the speech called for the church <laughs> to return to a New Testament ideals, accused traditional theologians of being nothing but a set of so- sophists. Uh, <laughs> they teach nothing but faith, uh, or... They teach nothing of faith, nothing of the love of God, nothing of the remission of grace, um, nothing of justification, or if they do so, they per- pervert it and undermine it all by their laws and uh, 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 sophistic, uh, sophistic yeah. yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, so anyways, the king and the church authorities were furious with the police hot on their heels. Cop and Calvin fled for their lives. Calvin lowered himself in a window on bed sheets tied together, escaped Paris dressed as a farmer with a hole <laughs> on his shoulder, taking the alias Martinius Lucianus. Ah, Martin nice. Luther, yeah, Martinius Lucianus. Wow. He uh, reached safely uh, intolerant, or yeah, he reached safely intolerant uh, Basil from, for three more years, he wandered as a fugitive evangelist under such assumed names. Finally, he settled in Geneva, Switzerland, where he became one of the best known leaders of the Reformation. Wow. So, on this date, Martin Luther ran away from Paris. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. So that's all I got for you today, man. Oh, awesome. Oh, well, we've got a little bit of feedback. Oh yeah. Um, just from, um, looking at Facebook. Oh, I read that. It was really good. Okay, well, first off, I want to uh, bring up something that that, uh, that Philip left us going back to our If You Love Me, Keep My Commandments. Yes. <laughs> he said, if you really wanted to be clever, this could have been a very short episode. <laughs> I thought that was great. That's great. Of course, we replied that we're not short about anything. <laughs> sure. But, uh, yeah, but the last one that we did about the thorn in the flesh... <clears throat> Our, uh, our our friend David Torres leaves a mess uh, a uh, a message here on on our Facebook post about it. He says, 
what you said at the end of the podcast, uh, there are, are people that may hinder our progress, but are we learning grace through the trial? This is something that for the past few months, the Lord has been speaking to me very clearly on. Today was an especially tough day for me in this, but I wanted to share how much this message blessed me. I definitely had one of those God moments with this affirmation. Thank God and thank you guys. So, Amen. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, that's going to kind of tie in to what we're talking about. Sure. Because what he says is this God moment. God moment. And I think we're going to be talking a little bit, you know, further about what, you know, God moments there are. Sure. Um, also, before we move on, I want to talk again about the Theonomous site. Yeah. It's getting some traction. So over the past week, we've had uh, some more prayer requests added. Right. And um, and so to just give everybody um, an update, if you have not tuned in the past couple of weeks, we have started a prayer site that we are calling Theonymous. Uh, you can get to it uh, in your in your web browser at prayer.theonotspodcast.com. And the whole gist of the thing is we want you guys to confess sins. We want you to pray for one another. That's the big thing. We've talked about how untransparent we are about our sins. And so if we're unwilling or unable to confess to our brothers in our church or our leaders or whatever it is, then you know what? Confess to us. And we don't need your name. That's right. You can be completely anonymous in this. You're theonymous. Or you can be theonymous, which means you make up something. That's right. You give us a... Martinius Lucianus or whatever it is <laughs> that you great, want yeah. to call yourself, uh, put that in there. Uh, if you're afraid that your email might be a dead giveaway, <laughs> then put in a fake email. We don't. We don't care. We That's don't. Right. We don't discriminate. And but what we want to do here is because we're trying to um, trying to to uh, lift people up in prayer. Um, you submit these prayer requests. Anyone then can see the the prayer request and pray for you and mark. On the site, hey, I prayed for you, and it keeps account of how many times right. you're being lifted up in prayer. And uh, and then once a week, we send out a newsletter to everyone who signs up as a Theo Thursday's prayer warrior. Right on Thursday, you'll receive uh, a newsletter mentioning these prayer requests and giving you something to pray about that day. We're asking people if they will try to uh, fast and pray on that day for the people that 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 are coming across in. The newsletter, right? And uh, so, if you want to sign up for that, you can do that on the site. Um, but what we want to do is just uh, a little segment that we're going to tag into the show here a little bit. We're going to just we're going to pray for some of these people, yeah. And uh, because you know, we want to make sure that that um, that like if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't heard about any of this, you know what driving down the road, whatever, pray with us. Right. Don't close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, your boy Brendan, don't close them. You don't have to close your eyes to pray with us. But we want to we want to lift these people up in, in prayer. And uh, let's start at the top of the list here because it's the sure. newest the newest ones. And we'll mark them here on the side as we, as we do it. Sure. Um, you want to take the first one? Absolutely. Uh, the first one comes from Anonymous. It says, A Stronger Will. It says, I have a problem with giving in a temptation. Previously, it was bad enough that I would have called it a porn addiction, but maybe not so much anymore. Still, I do have a problem, and I need God's help if I'm ever going to be able to stop for good. So let's pray for that person. All right. 
Father God, I just uh, I pray for whoever it is out there that's struggling, like so many of us do, uh, with um, with giving into sexual temptation. Lord, uh, seeing the things that we shouldn't see on the internet, and we're bombarded with it day after day. And Lord, uh, it's you know it's not by our might, but it's by your grace that that we're uh, um, we're able to be more in conquerors. And so, Lord, mm-hmm. I just pray that this person. Um, would would just fall on your grace right now if they'd realize that number one uh, that you love them through um, all the sin that you love them so much you gave your son through all their sin and father uh, because of that because of that love father help them to uh, just just love you more to turn away from the things of the world that that can confuse us and and make us think that they're what we desire. Um, because they're in front of us, and Lord, uh, help that person to just uh, just cling to you as their fulfillment in in everything. Father, be with that person tonight. Give them peace and uh, joy that lasts uh, um, beyond understanding. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, the next one comes from Lexi F, and they say, "Hi, everyone." We got the news today that my friend doesn't have enough oxygen in his blood and his blood cells are smaller than normal and they're dying off faster than they should. Mm. He has to get lab work and stay in a hospital so they can watch him for a while. I love him so much and I'm scared. Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer for, for Lexi. and Father, we, we thank you so much for um, giving this story to us, letting us know about Lexi's friend and we just pray that, that that you will that you will put your healing hands on them, and that you will, that you will touch them, and that you will that you will will help them in this deficiency of oxygen that's that's in their blood. And we also pray for strength for Lexi. Um, I know it's a scary thing to have a loved one that is struggling so much and mm. and going through hard times. And but Father, you're sovereign over all these things, and uh, we pray that 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 you will, will work a healing in this person's life and that uh, through this your name will be glorified and that yes. you will be lifted up and, and, and uh, give Lexi strength and, and help them to persevere mm-hmm. through uh, any type of struggle that, that is coming along. And uh, dear Father, we pray that you will help uh, other Theo uh, Knott's uh, prayer warriors to, to lift Lexi up as well and, yes, and well. to... Uh, to build people up, build one another up through the strength of prayer. For we know that, that you can do all things. And we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. And it's mm-hmm. in his name we pray this. Amen. Amen. This next one is entitled Health, and it comes from Anonymous also. And it says, I would like uh, help praying for my health. I've always had a lot of health problems. I recently beat uh, uh, is that a calyx disease with a miracle from God. But now I'm faced with a leaky gut. I've attended school full-time, work part-time, and have a disabled husband. I need strength. Mm. Let's pray for that person. Father God, uh, again, I just come to you, and I, I uh, thank you that you are the sustainer of life and and of um, and all good things. And, and Lord, I pray for this person who struggles with the health issues. Lord, uh, has a disabled husband and, and is fighting through that to to make a life. And so, Father, I just pray that you would uh, heal that person. You're the great physician. I pray that that person would be able to find the help they need as far as uh, um, health. And 
And Lord, uh, through this predicament, Lord, that you would just show your glory. Lord, uh, Father, I just pray you'd show up and show off in their life that that they would just um, just be um, blown away by by your goodness and your power of healing. And Lord, uh, just heal their body. That's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Anonymous writes and says, "I have some some of I have some of friends who are in need of help. Uh, my friend Kaylin is mentally challenged and has to spend some time in a psychiatric ward." He has told me he's been in this place before and said it was horrible. Mm. My other friend, Tyler, is also needing help as he's trying to recover from an addiction. Father, we come to you again on behalf of this person who writes to us anonymously, asking for prayers uh, for their friend, Kalen, and for Tyler. Uh, Father, from firsthand experience, I know how hard it can be to, uh, to, to have family and friends that are struggling with mental illnesses and, and have been in, in institutionalized, even if it's for a short period of time, that can be such a, a, a daunting thing and, and so trying mm-hmm. on, on those that are going through it. And Father, but we know that, that you give life and comfort to all, and we pray that you will bless Kaylin and that you will help them to, uh, to be able to, to be healed of this challenge that they are having mentally. Um, we know that this is not always a willing thing, but, but, but oftentimes illness, it's, it's, it's a sickness just like any other sickness. But yes, yes. we know that you are the great physician and that you mm-hmm. can heal them, and we pray that you will do that and that your name will be glorified because of it. Yes. We also pray that you will be with um, their other friend, Tyler, who is in need of help and is recovering from an addiction. Addictions are so hard, and we know that, Father, and we know that, that it can tear apart lives and families, and, and, and the struggle is real, and that they, they are um, dealing with this thing. It's very painful, and we pray that the, the person who, who wrote in would uh, be a great friend to, to Tyler, and that they will um, be your hands and feet to help them and draw them away from these damaging actions that uh, are in their lives, but we pray that you will interact and that you will help Tyler to to uh, be able to have willpower and to overcome these things that uh, that he is struggling with. Mm-hmm. We love you, Father, and it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Amen. Um, this next one's entitled "Anger Problems." I struggle with anger, especially with my husband, and um, especially with my husband. In an instant, something can set me off, and I lose my mind. Um, I do and say things that I later regret. I know it's wrong, but I'm having difficulty managing, and I'm afraid I will cause damage to our relationship. I need God to change my heart. Let's pray for that person. Father God, I just uh, I come to you, and um, Lord, I pray for um, the sister in the faith who struggles with anger. Lord, I, I totally understand anger. Um, Father, uh, it's just, it comes from a hard background and it, it comes from uh, pain and um, I can't imagine what, what this person is going through, but um, but I know that you are the author of love. And so, Father, I just pray that you would uh, put your love in her heart so deeply that she can't uh, do anything except for express your love. Father, give her patience and give her the fruits of the spirit of, of, uh, of joy and of peace. And Father, um, of kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control, Lord, help her to not backlash, but but to do what you do um, with us whenever 
whenever we fail. Uh, you just love us. And, and Father, you, you work through that uh, to glorify your name. And so, Lord, I just pray that she would remember um, how much she's been forgiven, uh, Lord, and be able to forgive because of that. Father, help her with the anger and help her to, uh, to, to get it under control. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, last one comes from Anonymous as well, uh, entitled Family. Uh, with a scripture reference of Matthew 10, verses 35 to 36. It says, Unequally yoked, please pray for my marriage and family to be a good daddy mm. who will instill values in my daughter without succumbing to fear of mocking and constant verbal abuse, to be a good husband that will love my wife with as much long-suffering as Christ did with me while still lost. Thank you. Mm. Father, please be with... This man who, who is asking for our prayers to help strengthen him and help strengthen his family. Dear Father, we pray that you will, that you will work in his, in his heart and in his life. Give him the words to say. We pray that you will help him to instill good values and, and to teach um, and, and to bring up his daughter in, uh, in, your, in your way and to to help her to see uh, your light. Uh, Father, we also pray for this man's wife. We pray that you will, that you will continue to till her heart, uh, make it fertile ground for the seeds that, that this man is planting in her life. And we pray that you will help ease his burden, um, help, help him to know that, that the words that he says, that the teachings, that the, the love that he is giving is not in vain. But uh, we pray that you will help those seeds to catch and uh, to get root. And we pray that you will give the increase, Father, as we know that you can. Yes. And we just pray that you will strengthen this family. Uh, and regardless of what your will is in this family, we pray that you will continue to strengthen this man and help him to be the spiritual leader of this home and to, to never lose uh, heart, but to always have hope and faith in you. Mm -hmm. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So Whew. you guys take part in this. Um, jump in there and, and uh, don't, don't be shy. Let us, let us know what you need prayers for. Right. Uh, more people are visiting the site. Uh, after every show, we're getting you know about 100 hits to the, to the website uh, right off the bat. So people are seeing this stuff. Right. And, um, and so... Uh, we want to make sure that 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 you're praying for one another and that you're loving one another, and that's that's our whole goal here is to try and connect us and help us unify us, bring us back together, help us to love one another, yes, and help us to be one in Jesus Christ. Amen. I got a sign. You got a sign. I got <laughs> says open for business. Oh, <laughs> I was oh. like, here's your sign. <laughs> so, what are we talking about today, Dave? Well, kind of, kind of confusing, I guess, onto what exactly we're going to talk about. Me too. I started. I started with this idea of coincidence versus providence because there's so many things that just happen. Is it a coinky dink? Yes, and it's like we we call them coincidence, 
Um, sure. But, you know, the Jews have a, have a, a saying okay. that, uh, that coincidence is not a kosher word. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe there's some truth in that. Amen. Um, maybe we should look at this as providence whenever coincidences happen. Right. And uh, and another thing that we that we should do whenever we're thinking about this stuff is also uh, wonder if there is signs in it. Sure. Okay. Because God God may be speaking to you through these quote unquote coincidences. Yeah. And uh, so what I want to kind of talk about is. I guess our just our reluctance to give God the credit for the weirdness that happens in your life. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen to that. So before we start, do you have any just amazing stories of providence? Work? Oh, tons of them. Um, okay. And there and I was trying to pick and choose some of them, and some of these things that I mean, beside the one that's going on right now, but we <laughs> yeah. Well, but there's so many things that that are like. They come out of the blue, and if you're not paying attention, you you might miss them. Right, um, and you might just think, "Oh, that was weird," or whatever. <laughs> but I think that once you become in tune with the Holy Spirit, and once you really start thinking about this stuff, when these things start to happen, you start to think, "Ooh, the <laughs> I better pay attention." Right, there might be something going on here. Right, um, I want to give you one of the first ones that I can remember. Okay, having. Because it had a huge impact on me. Um, I would say that I, I mean, I've been a Christian since um, 14, age 14. Okay. So 1984. Right. Wow. <laughs> so, um, and I was devout. I was a quote unquote good little Christian boy. I mean, I'd, I never really w- was rebellious or anything like that. Yeah. And, uh, but I never, I never had a drive for Christ. I mean, when I first, you know, as the saying goes, when I first came out of the water, I was like on fire, right? I mean, I was ready to to set the world on fire for Christ. Well, yeah, but that kind of died down. And before long, you just go back into the low life. Sure, and us uh, and 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 Christianity becomes something that happens on Sunday mornings, right? And you know, you just keep on keeping on. And but I would say like about ten years ago, it really hit me. And and it, I will I would almost say that it was, it was providential. Okay. It, it was there was, an actual interference in my life by God. I mean, wow. <laughs> he, he stepped in and, and got your attention. changed things. Now okay. I, I, it was at my, my request, <laughs> but he answered that prayer sure. in such a, a strong, direct way. And I, I've, I've had a lot of prayers answered. I've, I've seen a lot of things, but this, this moment was as physical of a response from God I've ever experienced. Yeah. It was instantaneous and it, and it was huge. Now, with that, started coming all these things I started noticing. Um, I have struggled, you know, as I've said on the show, I've struggled with pride for years and years, my whole life, really. Right. And, and um, there was a, um, this one particular time, I remember, uh, I was working as, um, as an IT professional, but also doing some programming work and that sort of thing. Right. And I'd built this system, and I was it, it was working, everything was functional, and everybody was singing my praises. It was just like, 
you know, I was the best thing since sliced bread to this company. Sure. And, and I was just really basking in that light. Like, I mean, what was it Reliant K says? You know, I was getting a suntan <laughs> by the light by which I was basking in. Right. <laughs> and, and so I was just, you know, all full of myself on this one particular day. <laughs> and I'm driving, driving home, and um, I'm in a truck. Now, we had just built uh, my, our home. And they had recently put in the lateral lines for the septic system. Right. So the ground was still soft out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm in this truck. I come pulling up, and I'm just like burning down my, my driveway, and I, and I pull off into the field, not even thinking, and I drop both front wheels into a lateral line. Oh, wow. So <laughs> the truck is... All the way to the bottom of the right. of the tires, right, buried in mud. Sure, and man, I'm just furious. You know, I'm I'm just being an idiot. I'm you know kicking things and slamming things and sure. all this sort of thing. Being a man, yeah. <laughs> and so I go to get a jack, and I yeah. don't have one in the truck. the 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 nearest jack I had was in our little to- Toyota car. And it's one of those little twisty things. Oh, yeah. That, you know, you just sit there and, okay, now I'm going to try and jack this truck out of... With the little Toyota jack. <laughs> with this little jack. And it couldn't get any traction. It was just, you know, sure. all this sort of thing. And Melanie was coming out. Do you need any help? I'm like, shut up. Get inside. You know, I'll take her. <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm just being a total idiot. I mean, I'm, I'm totally... The whole day was just all about me reveling in myself or whatever right and now this horrible thing in my mind <laughs> had happened to me and i threw the uh the jack into the pond <laughs> <laughs> and melanie goes that's it you're on your own <laughs> went into the house and i was just furious mad furious mad and i go up to the house and i'm standing there thinking what am i going to do to, how am I going to get that truck out of there? And then it just hit me. Man, you've been an idiot. Like all day, you've just been a real idiot. It's, I mean, and <laughs> I just felt this huge wave of remorse. Mm-hmm. So I just started praying right there in my, in my driveway. I'm just praying to God. I'm not asking for help. All I'm doing is apologizing sure. and praising Him. And I was just saying, I'm sorry for just being an idiot. And, you know, wow, and all this sort of thing. Well, I'm praying. I got my eyes closed. Whenever I open my eyes, a friend of mine that um, had put in our road yeah. um, was pulling up to collect his money for it. He's driving this dually with a big winch on the front of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I was like, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, God. And it wasn't like, you know, so what? You're stuck in the mud. It's not that big of a deal. But it, right. but it was one of those things oh, yeah. where it was just all of a sudden, I, you know, I wasn't asking for help. I was just humbling myself before God. And he said, okay, that's what all I wanted out of you. Right. I, I didn't want, you know, elaborate service or whatever. All I wanted you to do is acknowledge me. And stop acknowledging yourself. Right. And the minute I did that, God fixed the problem that I was struggling with. <laughs> wow. Like wow. right there on the spot. That's amazing. Yeah. So anyway, what about That's you? Awesome. <laughs> um, man, I've I've had a lot. Also, I could tell you my 
man, my whole life story has been providence. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I could tell you about my marriage, how I met my wife, which is just unbelievable God's design. Um, but that would take an hour. Um, <laughs> i tell you what, one of the best stories I have is um, coming here to Texas. It's just amazing, that whole thing. So I was a month out from getting my degree at the University of Nevada in English education, was called to be a pastor, um, licensed but not ordained yet. Okay. Um, and so praying about what the next step was because there were no teaching jobs at all in Nevada. This was at the the height of the 08, or sorry, 2010, kind of like that recession right. that we had. And um, and so teaching in Nevada was hit, one of the hardest states hit, okay? And so there were no jobs, period, in Nevada. I'm working part-time at a church and part-time at a Christian bookstore um, <laughs> in order to pay bills, which are mounting and mounting and mounting, and I'm about to... Um, be graduated and I have a wife and I live in this little one bedroom. We called it the Hobbit house (laughs) and, uh, it was just, you know, it was bad. So, um, a month out and I am sending out resumes left and right, looking for a place to work. And, uh, and I had put my, uh, resume on the Southern Baptist website and then not thought about it because really, I mean, I wasn't ordained. I was licensed and my, I was going to school for English education. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, anyway, so, uh, so I am praying, I mean, up all night praying to God and on monster.com looking for jobs and just going, Lord, where do you want me? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? If you want me to do, you know, I'll do anything that I have to, uh, but just let me know. And I got a call from enterprise rent a car. And they were going to put me in their management training program, which is like this. You start as a grunt trying to sell <laughs> insurance, you know, car insurance on top of the right. rent stuff. And they were going to send me for two weeks to Vegas to train and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, that's great. Two weeks alone in Vegas is not very healthy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, all this stuff. And I'm going, awesome. Okay, well, God, I- I'm going to say yes to this um, because I trust that you know what you're doing. And I said yes to them, and then the next day the church called me uh, from Savoy, and they from Savoy, Texas, Reno, Nevada to Savoy, Texas, and they said, wow. you know, we have your resume, uh, we've been praying about it, and yours keeps coming to the top. Now, when I got here, I found out that there were around fifty, sixty resumes. Wow, that the church had had, <laughs> and of people way overqualified compared to me like mm-hmm. way more qualified to me than me and um and so but my resume kept coming to the top and it just kept coming to the top and i don't know why because you know i'm not that but i like okay so uh two weeks before i graduate i fly down here come on view of a call get the position fly back graduate that weekend mm-hmm uh, ordained the next day, pack all my stuff in a trailer that next day, and we moved to Texas. Wow. In those three days. 
Amazing. Yeah, it's just awesome. And and just God had God provided mm-hmm. right exactly at the right time. At the right before time. Before you ended up an enterprise rent a car guy. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, and it's always been like that though. Oh, yeah. It really has always been like that. I I'm amazed at, you know, um flunked out of high school, didn't know what I was gonna do, got my GED, and then God went I went, I don't know what I'm going to do. And God goes, well, I know what you're going to do. You're going to go to, um, you're going to go and, and go to Life Action Ministries. And that's where you're going to encounter me for the first time, you know? And so he right. set that up, right? It's like, I, I wasn't going to go to college. He made me flunk high school. I believe, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> so that, but and I know, I know it sounds weird to say he made me, but I really do believe that he had that plan set in motion for me to not be able to go to college uh, right off the bat, to send me away to 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 have that you know divine meeting with him, right? And then for two years, pretty much, it was basically theology boot camp for two years for mm. me, right? <laughs> and then to come back and then go to college, and I ended up it was a totally different oh, person man. because of it. So, I mean, my whole life has just been that yeah. one after another, my story, the, how I met everywhere. my wife and, yeah. uh, you know, it's, a, my wife could tell you that it's insane how we met like this whole thing where she knew my parents stayed a week at my parents' house while I was living in Missouri. My parents were living in Nevada. My dad decides to take off and go work in Nevada. Uh-huh. Right. And I'm I'm like forget- while you're leaving, right? Right. And I'm like, forget that. I'm going to Missouri. We, we lived in Kansas. And right. I said, forget that. I'm going to Missouri. So I go and live with my best friend and work at a church in Missouri for a year. And my dad calls and he goes, Hey Jeremiah, I need you to come. I need a youth minister. Um, why don't you come out and help me? So I went out there for a year and helped him. And I'm like, okay. And this is in Hawthorne, Nevada. Okay, mm-hmm. out in the middle of nowhere. And after that year was up, I said, "All right, Dad. Really, I want to go back to school, so I'm going to move to Reno." So I moved to Reno, Nevada. Met Christina, my my wife, uh-huh. in the church. As soon as I moved to Reno, not two months later, my parents go, "Oh, we're moving back to Kansas." <laughs> See ya. Yeah. So they moved back to Kansas and leave me in Reno, and I developed this amazing relationship mm-hmm. and the only reason my parents moved out to nevada i believe was to get me out there to <laughs> to meet her to meet her you know <laughs> so it's like this huge you know i can look at my life and i can see how god designs and focuses on every step and leads right that way and and you know whenever you look back in hindsight these things really i mean i have a you know very similar story you know, on Melanie. I mean, yeah. she lived in Colorado and moved down here. I mean, it's just, there's just a whole lot of, of, of weirdness. Right. Um, Michael's in the chat room with us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's He, he likes the uh, the Hobbit house reference. The Hobbit house. <laughs> yeah. It was literally yeah. a Hobbit house. Like, I could stand flat-footed on the floor, and I'm 5'8". Right. And I could hold, put my full hand on the, the ceiling. <laughs> would you just cover it with sod? And you know. I thought about that. It would have looked great. A little round door with the round... Yeah. So oh, man. Call it the well, Hobbit house. You know, with our work in Haiti... The whole Haiti thing for me has been one God moment after another. Yeah. I mean, we had, um, you know, in 2009, I just kept this feeling, this calling, do something, do something, do something. You're not doing anything. And um, <laughs> and, and I, I kept getting, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> do it. <laughs> so I kept getting this feeling that I was being, 
I, I kept getting drawn right. to that scripture about the least of these. Yeah. You know, I was naked and you didn't clothe me, hungry, you didn't give me food, you know, that whole thing. But he says the least of these, and so that became a focus of mine. Right. I was out there studying, where's the least, where are the poorest people in my neighborhood? Yeah. Haiti comes up. I'm doing all this research on Haiti. Six months later, that earthquake hits. Wow. And then out of nowhere, a friend calls me and says, were you serious about the Haiti stuff? Because if so, I've got a, uh, I've got a, a, a team we can go down there with, but it leaves tomorrow. <laughs> so it was just like one thing after another. Sure. When we were over there, it's like uh, one, one of the team members I remember was welding on a gate. And it's this huge, huge gate. You know, you've seen them over there. Oh, yeah. And it weighs a ton. Has these metal spikes on the top yeah. of it, right? So he's welding it on here and everything, and he's working and and all this sort of thing. And one of the other team members hollered at him. It was like, you know, um, uh, hey Wesley. And uh, whenever he hollered at him, he turned around like just a, just enough, um, and that gate fell at that exact moment and scraped his back, took the shirt completely off his back. With those spikes, Whoa. just, and I mean, like centimeters from death. I mean, because that would have killed him. The, yeah. the, this thing was huge. And after all the commotion, the guy that called his name didn't even know why he called his name. He couldn't even remember what it was that made <laughs> him call his name. But he stepped forward just enough yeah. that that gate wouldn't land on him. Yeah. I mean, it was just weird. Yeah. I mean, just stuff like that over and over again. And so the thing is, people will call this stuff coincidence. Oh, come on. You're making a mountain out of a molehill. You're figuring, you're, <laughs> you're fitting God into these coincidences. Yeah. But, you know, I want to look at a, 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 just a few scriptures here. Sure. Proverbs 16, verse 33. And, uh, you know, I'm going to start in the King James again. Okay. <laughs> Proverbs 16, verse 33 says, The lot is cast into the lap. But the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Now, the lot is referring to this Jewish custom of casting lots, right. which is uh, could be any type of thing, either stones or bones or things of this nature. And uh, whenever they would, like a lot of times you'd have one black stone, one white stone. Right. And you'd have it in a bag or whatever, and you'd cast it out. And or reach in and grab one, and whichever one, like let's say it was a yes or no question that you were asking, you'd right. reach in, pull out. If it's white, was the answer is yes. yes sure. So you'd move forward. And the the concept is we would think that's chance, you know. But we can see here that the the ancient Jews did not see it as as chance. That's right. Solomon doesn't see it as chance. No, here. he says that you're casting that lot into your lap. You're, right. You're doing the work. But it is the Lord who is determining what is happening. Sure. And does that mean that you know you run off to to Vegas <laughs> or Shreveport and you, you're going to hit the craps table <laughs> because God's got it under control? Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, <laughs> obviously. Right. But but the but the idea behind that is if you approach God. On his terms, yeah, and it's like I'm putting this in your hands, and I want you to be glorified in what is what is coming out of it. Right. I want to be in your will. I want to do what you want, what you want me to do. 
he will give you the signs. He will he will lead you in those directions. Right. And that's part of what it's saying here. They would purposefully do this not because it was chance, like, hey, I'm just gonna flip a coin, but it was but it was more of we're gonna let God decide. Right. And the uh yeah, and I think that a couple guidelines here for me, if I could throw throw this out, I don't know if this is the right time or not, but I'm gonna throw it out there. There's a couple, Go for it. couple guidelines. Whenever you you say that whole Vegas thing, you know, going to, you know, there are a lot of people that think, okay, so I'm just going to look for the signs and then, you know, but here's, here's one major guideline. If you're not following God's will for your life to begin with, don't think that you can look for the signs to follow God's will for your life. Right. You need to, number one, look at scripture. Right, right. Because God's will is... He's not going to go against the exactly. scriptures. Right. And God's will is clearly laid out in scripture as far as his overall will for your life. Uh, you know, the major thing, which, you know, which is um, to love him and love others. Mm-hmm. And to do that, uh, you know, Second Timothy 3.16 is, is totally implied for this. Okay. All scriptures, uh, God's word, useful for teaching, helping people, for correcting them, and showing them how to live. The scriptures train God's servants to do all kinds of good deeds. That's the, that's the. Uh, I think that's uh, the NLT version. Second um, Timothy three. The milt. Milt. But um, the point is, if if you're following scripture to begin with, that's that's the first thing that you look for. You know, if you want to know God's will, you you clearly follow God's scripture. And then the second thing, I think, is great. And I just ran across this this passage, and it's just. Eating me up. Psalm 32, <laughs> 8 and 9. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Mm-hmm. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle. So the idea is God wants us to use our our intelligence, mm-hmm. right? He want, He actually wants us to look and see... Right, where he's opened doors, what he's you know what he's what he's guided us through, uh-huh. not not you know he he doesn't want to <coughs> ride us and pull Control us by you. the bit, yeah, right. and make us go to the left, he, right. He wants straight you. Back. I mean, this is not the removal of free will, right? And this is this is him wanting to control through his his providence, his right? providence, his circumstances, yeah. and so, and that's you know that's beautiful. That's the beautiful thing about God is he's. He's he's working these things out in your life, right? Mm-hmm. And he's watching over you and guiding you, right? Yeah. And then of course the the big one, Proverbs three, five, and six: Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on, on your, your own, own understanding. understanding, right? In all your ways acknowledge Him. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And that's he will direct that's your path. the key. Yeah, that, that's the key right there. Yeah, is like you give Him the glory. Because ultimately, what is God after? <laughs> He's after his glory. His glory, amen. Okay? So it's, that's right. if you are after, here's how you align yourself with God's will. Right. God's will is that he would be glorified. Yeah, amen. So if that is your will, if that is your, then you are coinciding with the will of God. Right. And so that's why, for example, I'm aching to feed the poor. That is God's will. Sure. Jesus himself Gave us that commission. Yeah. Right? And so he gives you that heart. Right. right? He gives you that. And then all of a sudden, wow, you get a phone call from a friend that goes, hey, I'm going to Haiti. And you're like, boom. Yeah. And that's what God wanted. Why am I studying this stuff six months before the most devastating event that hit, that has hit Haiti? Right. I mean, it's like the timing. It's just, there's all this 
stuff that, yeah. that he's working on. And, you know, one of the things I thought about while you were talking there and reading the, the scripture is about that tried and true, worn out, uh, you know, story that preachers tell over and over about, you know, the, the guy who's, who's in the floodwaters. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and, he, and he's and like, I sent you a boat. Right, and I right. And plane and I sent you a helicopter. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's okay. God will save me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, of course, God's giving you all these things. Right. He's putting these things in front of you, yeah, and expecting you to grab hold of them. That's right. And those are signs you have to you have to look for. Uh, he did it to all his um, he, he all throughout the Old Testament. It's all over the place, right? I keep Gideon has been on my heart a lot lately. <laughs> yeah, because I keep thinking about Gideon being a reluctant. He was so servant. reluctant, like like. He did not want to be involved in this. Right. God's like, you know, tear down those altars and all this stuff. And he's like, that's just going to make this Moabites mad. I don't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it was like one thing after another. And finally it was like, you know what? I need you to go out and defeat the, the Moabite army. Yeah. What? Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and what I love is God finds Gideon. Okay. So all over in scripture, one of the tropes you see, one of the reoccurring themes is God using the weak. <laughs> Right to to totally <laughs> get his glory. Yes. Right, and so Gideon, when he finds Gideon, where is Gideon? He's in a he's in a basically a grain silo threshing wheat, hiding. Right. Right. <laughs> and what does the angel of the Lord say? God be with you, mighty man of valor. Which is <laughs> it's to like me, a slap. <laughs> One of the funniest slams he could ever say. Right. Ooh, you're really strong, aren't you, little guy? <laughs> Hiding in this uh, vat there, threshing well, wheat. And you know, and he said, like, he's like, I want to know, I want a sign. Yeah. yeah. Father, I want a sign before I do this. Right. I tell you what, let's put this fleece out here yeah. on the lawn and let's do a little test with some dew. <laughs> and I want, you know, make the fleece dry and the dew on the ground wet. Right. And then it was like he did that, and it was like, oh, I tell you what, let's do the opposite. It'll it'll be harder this way. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's make the 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 wool wet and the ground dry. I mean, it's like I feel like in my life a lot of times I'm doing that. Yeah, I'm going I'm, because I'm seeing signs. Here's your sign, man. And I'm going. Don't want to go there, Father. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not ready for this, or I don't. Want, you know, and and he's just like keeps wetting the wool yeah. or or whatever and and a lot of times i think it could be because it we look at it and we go that's just so much bigger than what i can do mm-hmm. that's so much See, more than here's what another here's do. another god moment michael's in the chat room hey gideon has been on my heart too wow <laughs> what a coincidence yeah that's awesome <laughs> See, you know and and i think it a lot with gideon definitely his case was Man, this is way bigger than anything I can ever accomplish. God, mm-hmm. why in the world are you choosing me? Are you sure? Let's let's double check. Let's you know. Let's right. make make sure. Because man, and then think about how much work it took to get that army he had. Right. He he built an army here. That's right. To do this, <laughs> God because he's scared to death, and God's like, nope, too many people. Yeah. Okay. Why? Why was there too many people? <laughs> Well, the main reason is because, well, the only reason is because, now, now here's the, that's a good question. <laughs> I asked my youth one time, I'm like, so you're going to build an army to go fight some people. How many people is too many? 
Mm-hmm. There's not an answer to that. The right, question is, right. how many is too few, right? <laughs> right, right. If you're going to bring an army. And the reality is, is God's going, no, I want my glory. I want my glory. Amen. Not your glory. Right. Dude. So, so once again, this goes back to understanding signs. Yeah. Is he's not going to give you a sign to go to the casino and get rich. Right. Because you have to want to work in his will. So if his will is that you defeat an army of people right. and he get the glory, then it makes sense that, Hey, we're going to cut this down to 300 people. And what's so amazing is that they didn't have to do all that much work to win right. that battle because God, once again, through his providence took care of things. Yeah. Uh, what about Ruth? Um, you know, think about Ruth for just a second. Okay. Here you got this woman. <laughs> she is uh, widowed. Her um, her mother in law mm-hmm. is widowed, and she ends up just going back with her on a whim, right? Back to her homeland in Bethlehem, right? Now, uh, check out what it says here in Ruth two. I'm going to read it from the Nilt. Okay, it says one day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, "Let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain." left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. And Naomi replied, All right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. Yeah. Now, we know that because of this and because of the Leverite uh, marriage laws, Boaz ends up being this woman's husband and becoming part of the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. What a coincidence that she just found herself working in this particular field. Right. It's not coincidence. No, not at all. (laughs) This is is by by God's direction. And... uh, you know, uh, I think about this also with all these these Haiti trips and stuff that we take. We make we make all kinds of plans. Yeah, and we 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 plan it all out. Very rarely does it go exactly as planned. That's right. You know that last trip when we went to Lagunov, man, we were not expecting that. That did not go as planned. <laughs> we did not plan right. it to That's happen right. the way it did that That's day. That's right. And uh, and just like the one trip that I think I've mentioned on the show before, where. We went to a hospital to help, yeah. you know, the injured from the earthquake, and got refused because we didn't, we weren't licensed, and we couldn't. Right. We were just in the way, and right. but we ended up getting tetanus shots for that entire orphanage that we were staying in. Right? How coincidental that they happened to have tetanus shots. There. Right? <laughs> it's not coincidental. No, it was it was directed that way. That's right. There's a proverb, Proverbs sixteen verse nine, and then it says, "We can make our plans, but the Lord." determines our steps yeah (laughs) and you know it's crucial to remember at this point uh don't tell god how he can guide you right exactly (laughs) you have to be the listener you have to be the the one listening here not the one giving the orders no god this is not how it works (laughs) and some of us go okay so my circumstances i screwed up right so or you know something happens where you disobey God. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that God can't use that disobedience to to move on to a different right. avenue. And God 
God can do whatever he dang well pleases to quote uh, John Piper. Um, <laughs> but I love uh, Oswald Chamber has, oh, yeah. has this quote says, um, we are apt to forget the mystic supernatural touch of God, which comes with his call. If a man can tell you how he got the call of God and all about it, it is questionable whether he ever had a call. A call to be a professional man may come um, in that explicit way, but the call of God is much more supernatural. The real uh, realization of the call of God in a man's life may come with a sudden thunderclap or by a gradual drawing. But in where, wherever it comes, it comes in the undercurrent of the supernatural, almost the uncanny. It is always accompanied with a glow, something that cannot be put into words. We need to keep that atmosphere of our minds prepared for the Holy Spirit, lest we forget the surprise of the touch of God in our lives. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. And the, the reality is, you know, we need to be constantly looking out and going, right. okay, is this the supernatural? Keep your eyes open. Right. That's the, the key. Because a lot of these things we do glaze over. Sure. And and we and, and the detractors would say, you guys are, are hunting, you're finding <laughs> things where they don't exist. Uh, but, the, but, you know, the thing is, we as Christians oftentimes... We want to write off everything that's supernatural. Sure. God is supernatural. Yeah. He is above the natural world. And I think that's our Do American you believe mindset. in that or do you yeah. not? You know, uh, you look at our American forefathers like Thomas Jefferson and Paine and, and mm-hmm. some of these others, uh, Benjamin Franklin, and they like Jesus, but they write out all the supernatural stuff. And it's I think it's a realist American mindset, honestly, right. Right. to write out the miracles, to write out the stuff. So you can't do that. And I don't think you could do that then. I don't think you can do that now. Even nature itself. Is somewhat supernatural. Yeah, I mean, it's a. I know that's a. Uh, th- that is a contradiction in terms. Sure. But but still, when you stop and think about it, we can't replicate the optics of the eye. Yeah. In any way, shape, or form, we can't even describe it. The evolutionists can't even postulate a theory. Yeah. As to how the human eye ever came into existence, because it is so complex in its optics. And think about that with a camera. You take you take a pictures with 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 a camera. You have contrast issues. Yeah. I mean, you can focus on the moon, but then you can't see anything else. Right. You can focus on the trees, but then the moon is all blurred out. Right. And it's like you have to use special software to combine, you know, an HDR type of image where you get right. both contrast of both. You can, there's no such thing that is taking that can let in and see what the eye actually can see. Right. And that it, it it's natural, but it's supernatural Amen. as well. There there is something at work in it. And so you 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 ha- you can't turn a blind eye to the supernatural things that happen in our lives because they're all around us if we'll just uh look. Um Again, about plans. Ephesians 1, verse 11 says, Furthermore, uh, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for He chose us in advance, and He (laughs) makes everything work out according to His plan. Amen. So it's not an accident as far as God. And you might see the most tragic things in the world and think, how could this possibly be part of God's plan? But you know what? As brilliant as our eyes are, they can only see so far. That's right. God can see beyond your lifetime. Some events that you that might be the most tragic thing for you might have great impact 
on further generations. Sure. And there's just so many things we don't know. Amen. Um, we got to have faith that everything is working out according to his plan. Um, Joseph. <laughs> There's another one. That's an amazing story when mm-hmm. you really look at it. You know, and, and people... I was talking with a, with a man last week talking about how God couldn't possibly do anything that would be um, hurtful. Mm-hmm. And I look at that and then I look at the old... I hear that and then I look at the Old Testament and I think... You know, I think Joseph thought it was really hurtful when his brothers threw him into slavery. Oh, man. Can you imagine? Right. And then, you know, and I, I think it, it, I think it was hurtful whenever he, uh, he gave that he gave that man his interpretation for his dream. What was it? The uh, the wine taster or the mm-hmm. food taster, right? Mm-hmm. And then had to wait another two years right. in prison. Or, or how hurtful was it to be serving in this man's house? Right. Faithfully and doing so well, but then falling to an accusation that he was not guilty of. Exactly. It was like one bad thing in our mind, yeah. in our eyes. One bad thing after another kept happening. Right. To Joseph. And it was just this, you know, Joseph uh, is a the story of tragedy almost until he's 30, right? Yes. And, and, and you might think, what a... St- Stroke of bad luck, right? <laughs> How many bad things can happen to one guy? Right. This must be, you know, the most unlucky guy in the world. <laughs> but I, I want to look at what Joseph says about it at the end. Sure. His family, whenever his family finally oh, realizes man, who yeah. he is, and now he has power over almost all of Egypt. He's the second most powerful man in Egypt. Right. And they come to him scared because guess what? They sold him into slavery yeah. 15, 20 years ago, whatever. And his reply to them was, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. Yeah, He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. If you do something with intent, what does it mean? You purpose it, mm-hmm. right? You have a plan for there it. There is a purpose in it. That's right. <clears throat> and that's the, you know that's the thing. And we've got to look at that and go, man, God has a purpose in everything in our lives. Yes. It's not it's not <clears throat> that it, it's not that it, we shouldn't look at our lives and go, okay, what is divine providence? We should look at our lives and go, okay, what in the world could not be divine providence? Mm-hmm. The reality is everything is. When we look at it, God is God is really working in your lives, right? Yeah. And, and that's, we need to, beautiful ideas, we need to look at where he's working and get on board with it. It's beautiful. <laughs> there's, uh, there's another story I, I want to look at right quick. Um that happens in First Samuel, um, the Ark of the Covenant yeah. gets stolen. Right. I guess this is when Samuel fell off his chair and died. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I somehow missed <sighs> that part. But it gets stolen by the Philistines. Yeah, because they're thinking like, "Oh, okay, it's really helped to the Israelites. Let's take this thing." Right. Sure. So they steal it. Well, it causes them nothing but problems. Right. Boils and all this stuff. Hemorrhoids, dude. Yeah. Hemorrhoids. Like, <laughs> and it must have been bad hemorrhoids. Yeah. If the scriptures wants to, in fact, so much so that 
they make golden hemorrhoids as like <laughs> off the Okay, so anyway, what I think is really cool is they're trying to figure out how to get rid of this thing. Sure. And uh, in First Samuel 6, uh, beginning the first verse, it says, The ark of the Lord remained in Philistine territory for seven months in all. Then the Philistines called in their priests right. and diviners and asked them, What should we do about the ark of the Lord? Tell us how to return it to its own country. <laughs> Send the ark of the God of Israel back with a gift, they were told. Send a guilt offering to the plague so the plague will stop. Then, if you are healed, you will know it was his hand that caused the plague. Yeah. Okay, so they're they're setting up some providence they want to happen. They right. want to see if it'll happen. Okay, then it continues. It says, what sort of guilt offering should we send? And they were told, well, since the plague has struck you both, uh, both you and your five rulers, make five gold tumors, hemorrhoids, yeah, and five gold rats. They were plagued by rats too, just like those that have ravaged your land. And make these things to show honor to the God of Israel. Perhaps then He will stop afflicting you, your gods, and your land. Don't be stubborn and rebellious as Pharaoh and the Egyptians were. By the time God was finished with them, they were eager to, eager to let Israel go. Yeah, that's right. So now build a new cart and find two cows that have just given birth to calves. Make sure the cows have never been yoked to a cart. Hitch the cows to the cart. Shut their calves away from them in a pen. Put the Ark of the Lord on the cart. And beside it, place a chest containing the gold rats and the gold tumors that you are sending as a guilt offering. Then let the cows go wherever they want. <laughs> if they cross the border of our land and go to Beth Shemesh, we will know that it was the Lord who brought this great disaster upon us. If they don't, we will know that it was not his hand that caused the plague, that it came simply by chance. <laughs> so these instructions were carried out. Two cows were hitched to the cart and their newborn calves were shut in a pen. Then the ark of the Lord and the chest containing the gold rats and the gold tumors were placed on the cart and sure enough, without veering off in any other direction, the cows went straight along the road toward Beth Shemesh, lowing as they went, and the Philistine rulers followed them as far as the border of Beth. <laughs> so... Here they were, basically Here's your son. <laughs> setting up this test to see. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna attribute this to chance, right? If God doesn't actually do something about it, and the cows went just as straight as they could go. Yep. And I guess the the big point that I wanted to get from that is for us to keep our eyes open. Uh, God uses ordinary and commonplace things, yeah, even cows, right, to accomplish extraordinary feats and uh, against insurmountable odds. Yeah, I mean, let's stop and think about that for a minute. What were the odds that this woman, this Moabite woman, would end up working in the field mm. of this man who was in the lineage of Jesus Christ? And what are the odds that he would even that she would even catch his eye? Right. What are the odds of uh, that the, that the dew would not fall upon the fleece? Right. I mean, what are the odds? It, it's crazy. It's right. insurmountable. Right. But it's little things that that just seem 
very coincidental <laughs> in our mind. Yeah. But uh, there's, a, there's a quote by just Augustine says, When you first consider your life, it looks like nothing but a bunch of chicken tracks in the mud of a barnyard going this way and that. But through the eyes of faith, we begin to discern pattern, meaning, direction, providence. Amen. That's good. Yes. I got one by uh, Rich Mullins. He talked about how he was uh, watching these Indians weave these uh, blankets. Yes. And uh, on the loom, on the underside, it looked like all this just sporadic, different colors interwoven. It was just all, <coughs> it made no sense. It was just all, you know, sporadic and weird. And But on the other side, the master weaver, the the woman weaving it, it was a perfect pattern, right? Mm. He said, how much of that's like life? You know, you look up and you wonder what in the world's going on. It looks on. messed up and confusing. Looks, right. Yes. But from God's perspective, it's all fitting together. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, that's good. Yeah, we need to have God's perspective. Yeah. So, last so. last verse that I've got is Psalms one hundred and thirty eight, verse eight in the NLT. It says, "The Lord will work out His plans for my life, for Your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Amen. Don't abandon me, for You made me. Let's not forget who made you. That's right. And if He made you, He's got plans for you, and He won't abandon you. Yes. Amen. Exactly. Well, Jeremiah, I don't think we have time for Yeah, for I think we've expended any... our time. We? <laughs> so, I thought this would be a short one, man. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness, get us talking. But, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Yeah. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, to partner with us, visit us at gctnetwork.com. Also visit our, our prayer site at prayers. Uh, prayer.theonautspodcast.com You can also come to gctnetwork.com to subscribe to our newsletter there and stay up to date on all the latest from our shows including our friends and our brothers over there in Tennessee Finding Christ in Cinema There are several ways to contact us and leave us feedback Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com Call us on our voicemail line, 972-885-7270. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. Don't forget to leave us comments there and rate us. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. Follow us on Instagram at Theonauts. And don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. Yes, so... Thanks a lot for being here, Jeremiah. I really enjoyed the study. Hey, it was his providence. Yes. Bye. <laughs> this has been Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> I wrote a book. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission at GCTNetwork.com. This is your Great Commission Transmission. This is.